Producer Doug here. I just want to talk about Pop Culture Classroom. They are the ones that put on Denver Comic Con, and we want to help support them so that we can keep bringing you all this amazing audio, such as panels and interviews from Denver Comic Con. So let's get right into it. Pop Culture Classroom inspires a love of learning, increases literacy, celebrates diversity, and builds community through the tools of popular culture and the power of self-expression. They envision individuals transformed by the educational power of popular culture who create diverse, inclusive, and engaged communities. They provide quality service to kids and communities, respect, inclusive, and diversity, uh, quality of opportunity, alternative approaches to education, and they recognize each person's intrinsic dignity and importance through open communication, responsibility, and honesty. Did I sound like I read that off the website? I absolutely did, because... Well, I did. I want to get everything right for them because they are fantastic. I recommend going to their website and donating just to keep them going. This fantastic program, plus everything to do for the community, uh, literacy, respect, and of course, Denver Comic Con, so we can bring you all of this stellar guests and panels and Q&As and interviews. So remember, go to popcultureclassroom.org, click on the donate, or just take a spin around their website and check it out. And now, on with the show. Yeah, he's a great guy. We, um, I, I can, I mean, I, I can 
there is a character called the Hellboy that I will be playing. Yeah. Uh, I can say that. Is that the first role you've had where you're under prosthetics? Like you're really made up and have had to do acting through this, like six inches of plastic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of prosthetics that go into like Jim Hopper and yeah. <laughs> you know, Pan Am and stuff. No, it was, yeah, it was like two and a half hours uh, of, it's a full silicone mask. Um, and uh, I'm starting to disappoint everyone. Everyone tells me to lie about this, and I really should lie about it, but that body is not my body. <laughs> So there's like all these articles about how in shape and buffed out I got for Hellboy. And it's all lies. It's the one time when I understand Donald Trump, Trump's frustration with fake news. But like for me, fake news is great. Yeah. Like it makes me look like super awesome. Like I was work I actually did work out a lot. I got very strong for it, but most of the stuff you see on my body is prosthetics. So like that was a whole thing, the face was a whole thing, the horns, the hair, there were eye pieces that were um yellow, uh yellow contacts, uh the mouth, the lower teeth was a whole piece. Um but the entire thing is practical. So the cool thing that you'll see on it is like uh, when you see that picture of me, or other, hopefully a trailer will come out soon, and you'll see other pictures of me, it's all practical. So that stuff is entirely real, it's physical, it has density, it has weight, none of it is CGI. So like, that Thanos thing that you, that you see in the Marvel movie, that's not happening in our movie. All the monsters in our movie are practical monsters, like made by this guy, Joel Harlow. Even the stunts in it are uh, are practical stunts. So there's not this seat, there's like people getting hurt right in front of you, which is like I love that. That's what we're saying. <laughs> no, it is. It's like a soccer game. Like there are moments we shot in Bulgaria. There's these big Bulgarian stunt guys who are just violent and angry and vicious, <laughs> and they just punch me right in the face between takes. And, Getting no, the character. Yeah, it was great. No, they're, uh, it, it's all practical, so in that way, it's a very different movie than a lot of the stuff you're seeing now. There's no, like, you know, hyper-real. There's so a little bit of hyper-real stuff, but in general, it's a lot of practical fighting. It's a lot of practical moving around with these big old monsters, and it's, like, exciting. When we were working on it, it was just really an exciting thing. It was like a throwback in a certain way. Yeah. And also it was like a big like kung fu movie. It was like, you know, there's like a lot of big practical fights with monsters. It's, you don't see that stuff anymore. I mean, I imagine that it makes it easier for you to act, although you're acting through that stuff, but you don't have to imagine the stuff. And also to get a sense of what the movie's going to be like or the end product's going to be like. Because when you're acting opposite a green screen, you're like, I hope this looks good when it's, when it's done. Yeah, and I mean, like, CGI, like, I, it, it's great. Like, it works in certain scenarios, and I like it, but in general, I find that it, it doesn't have density. Like, there's, there's something about physics. Like, when you hit something and it falls to the ground, and you're like, ouch. That, like, CGI doesn't have that same sort of density sort of to it. Like, yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know, like, I'm never really worried about Spider-Man, like, falling from a building. Like, yeah. 
Because and the way they paint it, like the way they arrange their shots, is like it's framed up for the computer to come in. Whereas this, it's like actually the camera catching the action, and that's a very different feel of a movie. Like they did in Mad, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Like that's a movie where all those guys are doing practical stunts. So you feel when they're driving these cars and those dudes are like hanging off the sides. You're like, that guy's gonna kill himself and it makes you it makes me like watch the movie. Yeah. Whereas like some of the time with CGI, I'm just like, nah, he'll be fine. Yeah. Like he'll break his computerized nose, but we'll all yeah. it'll look pretty. His computer crashed. Yeah, his place. That guy got set on fire. Just reboot him. Yes. Turn him on and off again. So let's take some questions from the audience. What do we got here? We have one over here. Um, yeah. What's up, Denver? <laughs> Who's got questions? Yeah. Anything you like. One. Anything you like. We got one. We're right over here. Um, wait, 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 wait in the corner. More to your right. To your right. Tomorrow. There you go. Hey. Yeah. See you. Oh, hi. Are you, are you going to be in any more Tide commercials? <laughs> That's the first one. I hate to break it to you guys, but this isn't a, a Comic-Con panel, it's a Tide. They're doing these viral stunts. He's giving you that. <laughs> Was the tie was the stain practical or was it a CG stain? You know what? To be honest, it was a CGI. We did these promos with uh, the football guy, John. No, no, hold on. No, the guy who did it last year did the tie dye with the stain. Terry Bradshaw. Oh, that's embarrassing. Uh, Terry Bradshaw did a commercial, we did some promos with me and him uh, that we put out online, and there was, he stained his shirt in it, and it was a CGI stain. So, I'm as embarrassed as uh, anyone. This is a bombshell that Bradshaw doesn't do his own stains. He doesn't do his own stains. <laughs> <laughs> you heard him here first in Denver. <laughs> Another question? Thank you for your question. Where are we? Yes, you. Hi, I have a very serious question. Go ahead. Um, Denny's, Waffle House, or IHOP? Oh my god. <laughs> have you seen, has anybody seen any of the Wendy's uh, Twitter account? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Twitter account for Wendy's is killing it. Because they were like, we're not too afraid. And someone was like, what do you think about that Wendy's IHOP is like going to be about burgers? They were like, yeah, people who can't even handle pancakes, like we're not that scared. They just hire like a like a high school sophomore girl. Just like, yeah, they yeah. just be really like trolling. Yeah. Um, I, is, I, has anyone ever ordered a burger at IHOP? No. Not on purpose. Yeah, right. What do you guys? Way to read a room, guys. <laughs> and the burger market, it's it's not like it's oversaturated right now or anything either. Like that's yeah. what the world needs is more burgers. So you ask, I, I, I'll go Waffle House because we shoot, we shoot in Atlanta. We shoot in Atlanta, and there've been two things in Atlanta that I've been introduced to by a friend of mine. I say he's a friend of mine. Uh, he introduced me first to something called Bojangles. Oh my god, a cheddar bow is like, a 
It's like a heart attack waiting to happen, but it's so delicious. Uh, and then Waffle House. Go get a tuna melt at Waffle House or a burger. But I like myself a Waffle House tuna melt. So yeah, IHOP can go, you know, something. And Waffle House, the jukebox has all songs about waffles on it. I've never played the yeah. jukebox. I'll Look have the jukebox. They have songs written for Waffle House, recorded about waffles, on the entire jukebox never This is going to be my new playlist. Yeah. When I play <laughs> the waffle playlist. That's how we got Jack for Hellboy. He just went out to the Waffle House playlist. This is constant waffle. <laughs> Where else? Next question? Where? Over here. Yes. Okay, so if you were to run into Ron Perlman here at Comic-Con, <laughs> who do you think would win in a fight, you or Ron Perlman? Are talking physical or? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, intellectual, he destroyed me. That dude is smart. Um, and he's also a powerful guy. We had dinner in... LA, like, right before I started shooting, actually, me, him, and Patton Oswalt, uh, yeah, yeah, Patton was trying to broker, uh, you know, yeah, a, he could a peace talk, guys. it was a peace talk, but, uh, Ron is a strong individual, so, but I fight dirty, <laughs> so I put my money on me in the end. <laughs> I was nervous so I worked it. So you got to meet the penguins in Antarctica recently, and what was it like to actually go on this huge trip with Greenpeace? That's a great question. Thank you for asking me that. Um, it was incredible. Like, here's the thing, like, um, you know, it's funny, I do live in a world where I love a lot of jokes, and, you know, like, a lot of fun, and I love this sci-fi, and all the genre stuff, and I love the passion that all the fans have for it. Uh, but I do feel like we all have to galvanize to save the Earth, because uh, we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, so, if, if we all split the passion that we have for all the genre stuff, and just take a half hour out of your day to think about how we can save this environment together. Because um, I learned from Greenpeace that we're in, like, deep shit, basically. Uh, I went to, basically my girlfriend was a, um, she's an ambassador for Antarctica for Greenpeace. And so I kind of hitched a ride, based on all your Twitter retweets, which I really appreciate. Uh, I hitched a ride down to Antarctica on this boat, through the Drake Passage, by the way, which is three days in the most treacherous open water in the world, on a really small boat, with 20 foot swells. And I started throwing up three hours in, and then 72 hours later, we got through the passage. So I almost died. I became like Gollum in my stateroom, in my little room. My girlfriend was super tough, and she would come in and be like, how are you doing? And I'd be like, get away from me! I'm so ugly! Uh, and then we got down to Antarctica, and it truly is a stunningly beautiful place. Uh, I have to say, there are ways to get there, um, and they do, they are very conscious, even the cruise ships, about leaving very little footprint, but it's like these placid lakes, I've never wanted to swim in an ocean more, uh, it's so beautiful, if you go in, you freeze to death in minutes. But, <laughs> what um, a way to go. Yeah, <laughs> what a way to go. But the, the wildlife down there, the whales, the penguins, and just the fact that we're already starting to exploit this place by krill fishing, 
you know, these like Eastern European companies are sending these fish down there with these big old hoses and they're just sucking krill, which everything feeds down there, whales and stuff. And they're just making like krill pills. Like it's not even they're, they're making like Ferraris out of them. Because they're basically like sea monkeys. They're little teeny tiny specks. Yeah, but like whales and penguins and, and also they are carbon sink for global warming. They're, they're, they're amazing things and they're just destroying the environment. So it was a beautiful trip and it really opened my eyes to the fact that like the clock is ticking and we need to cut down our footprint as much as we can and we need to save the earth so that we can have, you know, Comic-Cons for the rest of our lives. Uh, get rid of plastic straws, please. You don't need them. You don't need them. Just drink out of a cup. Just drink out of a cup. So let's get rid of plastic straws. Let's just start, try to get rid of as much plastic as we can because when we were there we found plastic in our dark gun. That was very depressing. But thank you very much for the question. Beautiful, thank you. Let Hellboy bring about the end of the world, not like Eastern European krill fishing. Yes, yeah. Yes. Hey, I like, I, I really love you in Hellboy, which has kind of like a fantasy um, aspect to it. And then in Stranger Things, we got a little kind of more of a sci-fi. Wondering which way you're um, enjoying playing more, um, fantasy or sci-fi. Um, we'll see the Hellboy thing, which comes out in January. Uh, uh, I was not very good in the first two movies because it was Ron Perlman. He <laughs> <laughs> um, was excellent. I did a great Ron Perlman impression. But Hellboy is, uh, a, 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 you know, it's more. It, it's a superhero movie, but it's also kind of a horror movie, and it's also a monster movie. Like so, in that way, it, it, it owes a lot to these old monster movies like Frankenstein. It also owes a lot to the horror genre, a movie like It or something. There's a lot of stuff in in our Hellboy universe, which is, uh, you know, it's a dark tale. Um, it involves this blood queen who is like not a very pleasant lady. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that by her name. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoys blood, and so there's a lot of blood in it. Um, but I really did like, I like that, and then, you know, Stranger Things is more of kind of a sci-fi genre thing, but in terms of acting, like, whenever I'm acting in anything, it's really about, it's less about the genre, it's less about the actual thing, and it's more about the character, and sort of being true, and I like to go very deep into my characters, and I like them to be very emotionally resonant, and very psychologically resonant, so, you know, Jim Hopper, like I really want you to be moved by his struggle to uh, deal with the loss of his daughter, um, his struggle to be a good man even though he isn't, his darkness. Um, and in terms of Hellboy, I did a really deep dive into Hellboy, what it means to be an orphan, and to be sort of brought into the world unexpectedly, to speak a different language than you do, to, um, to be, have a destiny that seems bigger than you and to try to fight against it. Um, and also to try to be a good paranormal detective, like, in this world where there's a lot of threats. But there's a lot of elements to Hellboy that I really wanted to ground psychologically, and so I did a lot of work on that, and then you just get to have the sheer fun. You kind of let it go, and then you have the sheer fun of, like, a big monster movie. But with all my characters, it really is about, I mean, I really believe in, like, a deep dive about acting, whatever genre they're in. It's really just about being true to the spirit and the psychology of an individual, how they live, and where you think they'll be, you know, at any given point in their life. The more you're just getting around in your character, it is, the easier it is to, for the audience to buy 
craziness around it. Sort of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just want people to feel things. It's my major thing. Is like I want you to go and go to things I'm in, and I want you to feel, uh, feel have catharsis. Like see yourself in 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 this person, in their struggle, and maybe the fact that they're an outcast. Or and so I want to bring that like to life. I mean, Hellboy himself has a lot of those. Ideas like he's hated by humanity to a certain yeah. degree, and so because he's the bringer of the apocalypse, he's so, kill us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> but, but so I want you to feel. Uh, I mean, I want you to feel deeply about that. I feel like if you condescend to the character, uh, then you're not going to get people that. You know, you really need to go in deep and be like, what are these things in me, and how can my, how can I resonate in my flesh and in my blood and in my everything these this pain. So, yeah. you know, the deeper you go, I think the more resonant it is for an audience. Do you find that easier with genre stuff because of the sort of inherent allegory that exists in those? I mean, I approach genre stuff like, I actually, to be honest, I come from a Shakespeare background. Um, and I, yeah, right? So, a lot of the great, a lot of the great uh, genre stuff comes from Shakespearean actors. I mean, you look at Ian McKellen's Gandalf, or you look at Patrick Stewart's next Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. These are guys who are legendary British Shakespearean actors. Um, and they, they deal with the genre stuff so well, because in Shakespeare you're dealing with like Hamlet deals with the ghost of his father. Like yeah. it's not a it's not a kitchen sink drama. He's witches. With, there's witches. Yeah. So there are these big hyper real things that we ground in Shakespeare. That I think when you know Shakespearean actors come to, and I, I found a lot of that in Hellboy too. It's like there were these big things about responsibility and about uh, destiny that I had dealt with in characters that I played in Shakespeare. Well, like Midsummer's Night's Dream isn't that different from Hellboy in a lot of ways. So we have. Like those sort of fantastic characters. Player, I mean, I guess a little bit different type of production you see. But yeah, I mean, you know, the sort of fantasy sort of of the of yeah, those characters totally. in the different worlds. No, no, totally. And like, you know, uh, certainly destiny. Like characters, like you look at a character like Edmund and King Lear, and like he's someone who is sort of the antithesis of Hellboy. Like his destiny has been defined as something lesser than his will, and so he's he's using his will to battle against his destiny. And in a sense, Hellboy's doing the exact same thing. Hellboy's is trying to um, make the world a better place, where Edmund's trying to make the world a better place for him. Is there a Shakespearean play that you haven't been in that you'd still like to do? Yeah, there's one role that I'm dying to do. Uh, it's called. It's a play called Coriolanus. Uh, yeah, people know this play. It's a rather obscure Shakespeare play. It rarely gets done, but it's about this guy who's like this great general in Rome, and he's like the greatest general they have, but he doesn't really believe in democracy. He believes that the smartest, bravest, strongest people should rule, and everyone else should be grateful. And so he's kind of a fascist. Okay. Yeah. And and it's a problem. What is a problem? In a democracy. Yeah. So uh, and he's also got this mother that's like hyper obsessed with him, and she loves when he's covered in blood. When he comes home from battle, his wife's really scared. His mother's like, oh, I love when he's covered in blood. It's a weird play. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very beautiful play, though. I highly recommend uh, you read it. But I, I've always wanted to play Corey Lane. Someday. 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 Yeah. Someday. yeah. Uh, all right, more questions. Where are we? Right here. Middle. Middle. Hi. So, um, hey. news actually happens to be one of my favorite shows. Who am I talking about? Oh, okay. And I just wanted to know what it was like reliving some of the major moments that they covered through new eyes. Because they cover like the Boston Marathon bombing and the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it was it was always really interesting, and it was really interesting like their take on it. Like I remember too, some things would happen, and then we'd wait for the next season to come out. Like I remember there was there was the thing where Anderson Cooper got beat up in the Arab Spring, like when he was in Egypt, I think, and he got just beat up by a, by a, a mom. And then they came back and did a story on it on CNN. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's great. Like, we're gonna do something like that. And then the next season, Elliot Hirsch goes and gets beat up. And then comes back and they talk about doing a story on it. And they're like, that would be, that would have no integrity. Like, basically like we trashed the end of the And it was, uh, but it was, it, it was great. Things like that that I would see in the news and then sort of wait for the next season to come around. It was really, it was a sort of fun thing. Thank you. Question over here on the left. I was just wondering if you had any uh, great moments to recall shooting uh, Stranger Things while you were a great sheriff, Harper. Thanks. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I have a lot of fun on that set. I mean, it's very intense work, but it's also just very fun. Like, we, I remember season one, uh, I think it's episode five or something, I get, after I come get in the lab, they like stick me in the neck, and then I wake up on my couch, and I think my apartment is bugged. My trailer, my tearing everything with my, my $2 trailer. There's a little story about that. The art department, by the way, bought that for a dollar. Wow! Um, but I tear it apart, uh, looking for a bug. And I remember, we were gonna shoot it in all these different ways. They had all these like breakaway glasses, and they were like, you can, you can break this, but you can't break that. And you can like touch this, but you can't touch that. And I was like, can we just get Bob, who's our camera guy, who's incredible, shot The Dark Knight, shot um, all of Tarantino's films. He's an amazing camera op. These are the unsung heroes of our show. There's these departments that are incredible. But Bob, who shot, who shot the movies, I was like, Bob, can you just put a camera on and just follow me around? I'm just going to tear shit up. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. <laughs> so, so that take, that take is one take where I just go around the apartment like, you know, I'm like drooling and sweating and I'm just cutting couches and like throwing things left and right. None of that stuff, everyone was like terrified. Like, <laughs> have that focus and not, not be able to use it. But that was like, that was probably my most fun day on set was just destroying my $1 trailer. <laughs> That'd be a good business. People just pay to destroy a trailer to get the frustrations out. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. Where are we? Over here, guys. Um, hi, I'm Emily. Um, and I was wondering, what was your favorite scene to film in Stranger Things, and who was your favorite kid to film with? Okay, um, I... My favorite kid to film with... It's so hard to choose between your children. Who's the worst <laughs> uh, It's It really does. It is like having... Six children, or whatever, however many they are, they keep multiplying. <laughs> it's like, it really is. It's like one day, one week, one of them will be my favorite. The next week, another one will be my favorite. So clearly, like, Millie and I have a special relationship where it's like we really are like father and daughter. Like, I know her very well, and like, I love her, and I think she's really great. And she annoys me, and I get mad at her. And like, like any dad and their kid, it's like. You know, I'm very invested. So, of course, the scenes with Millie are wonderful to film and exciting, because I think she's a very exciting actress. Um, but this last season, like, 
working with Finn, who I didn't get a chance to do a lot with, like, was really fun. Uh, that kid is really kind of amazing. Um, I'm kind of jealous of how cool he is and like <laughs> his delicate stage. Like, who's cool at 14? Like, that kid is actually cool. Um, but I really like working with Finn. He's very smart and he's a very instinctual actor and he brings a lot of uh, surprises. So like that one scene we had where we were beating, he beats me up. And, like, he, he brought a lot of surprises to that scene. He surprised me a lot. It was great. And then this season, spoiler alert, I have a scene with Finn Wolfhard. They're going to call me tomorrow. This is TMT, isn't it? No, I do have a scene with him this season, which we shot, which was, uh, again, like, very surprising. Like, I thought he was just, he's just a really wonderful little actor, so. I had a good time. We're probably have time for two, maybe three more questions. So we're right in the middle. What's up? Um, That's one. We've got two more left. <laughs> so for season three of Stranger Things, will Netflix have to CGI Carl your mustache too? <laughs> yeah, they're going to CGI a cornfield. And on your face, CGI outline the mustache. No, did you notice that in that, in that DC movie? They CGI not only his mustache out, but they CGI the cornfield around him, too. You can't find like a cornfield to shoot. Yeah, right. It's impossible. <laughs> uh, no, look, here's the spoiler is that uh, Hopper has a mustache in season three. <laughs> look, everybody goes through hard times. <laughs> So, yeah, I haven't shot in about a week, so it's a little bit grown in, but uh, Hopper Season 3 is a, is a mustache man. He's decided that that's the way to go in 1985. And he's not alone. A man his age in 1985 thinking that a mustache is a good idea. We will see if you, if you agree with it, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll probably shave it in episode eight. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be integral to the plot for you to shave this episode eight. Yeah. Cool. Two more. Where are we? Over in the back. Okay. Yes. Hi. Um, I love doing Stranger Things. Thanks. Um, and I just wanted to know what it's like meeting fans in public. Like, how does that feel? Uh, it's really great. I mean, you know, I think that the people that I think the wonderful thing about it is. Uh, I think people have different things when they have fans. Like, there are people that are just celebrities that have fans. Um, like, who just do, like, celebrity things, or, like, you know them or something. And then there's people like me, who I feel like you love the character of Hopper, and that's the reason why you're going to come up to me. Uh, mainly. Although, there's other work I've done, too, that people like. But in general, it's because I feel like you just love the show, and you just love the character. And that's why you want to say hi to me or take a selfie with me or whatever. And I feel like that's something that's beautiful and special because like that's all I've ever wanted to do as an actor is to move people or to make them feel something or to make them happy or have them cry and then be happy later or something. So that like the fact that I'm doing that on a large level and people are fans of it is a beautiful thing. But it's always really about that for me as opposed to just like being a celebrity. Like I, I always sort of want you to approach me maybe because you've been moved by something I do or because it's specific in that way. And I, and I, feel, I feel that from the fans. And that's, 
that just means that I'm sort of doing my job, and that's all I've ever wanted to do my whole life. If she got 25,000 retweets, only if I got to wear the school sweatshirt and hold the trombone. It's a hard part. And she agreed to that. She got 25,000 retweets in like three minutes or something. <laughs> everyone was like, we would like to humiliate David Harper. Thank you very much. And we did it. Like, we actually set up a studio in Netflix, and you can see the pictures. They're on my Instagram and, and in her senior yearbook, if you happen to see that. <laughs> but, uh, it, it was hilarious and uh, really fun. Like, we got a really cool photographer. We did it totally legit, like high school. And then the other one that I agreed to was um, there's a, a couple that asked me to officiate their wedding in September. Uh, and they, I said that I would do that if I got to read a letter. Uh, about love that of my choosing, and also if I got to eat the first piece of cake. <laughs> they get to smear it on each other's faces. I'm not gonna ruin that, but I will demand the first piece after. <laughs> Is the flavor choice up to them though, or do you have some input in what No, no, they, they get to choose everything. So <laughs> we will we will do this in September. I reach out to them as long as we can make it like not about me. It is a day of like marriage between two people and love between two people. So I don't want to ruin it, but they have agreed, and I'm like. So I'm, going, I'm getting ordained uh, as a minister. It's not a very difficult thing to do online. I felt like I'm reading the Bible like crazy. It's like, stuck it out. No, no, but I'm, I'm getting ordained and I will officiate their wedding in September. That was a really cool one. Uh, and then there was the Greenpeace one, which was sort of my ask. And then like, the funny thing is when the show comes out, I find that people on Twitter say such ridiculous, funny things to me, and then it kind of peters out. But I was in Bulgaria in October when the show dropped, shooting Hellboy. And I would shoot Hellboy all day, and then I would come home to my Bulgarian hotel room and just be miserable. Because I was in Bulgaria, and I didn't speak any of the language or know anyone. So I would just sit on my Bulgarian couch, and I would just look at Twitter. And people would say all these hilarious things. And so I would just like retweet a bunch of them and like talk about them. But that was the one that I did that request. I did the wedding one. I just kind of don't want to get annoyed with them. I sort of want it to be something. And the ones that I gravitate towards are the ones where it's kind of annoying for me to do. <laughs> and it'll take like a week of like me being annoyed and like having to travel to places and like having to be grumpy for a little bit. Like I don't want it to be so easy that I could just do it. 
then I'll agree with this. You want to suffer so, a little. Yeah, I want so. it to suffer. I want you guys to know that it sucks. I don't want to wear out my welcome with them, so I'm, I'm kind of a little bit like back and forth on the Twitter thing. But I've done a couple. I do really enjoy it, and um, and we'll see if you guys if you guys do tweet me like a really special one, I may jump on it. But uh, you know, we'll what see. a what a challenge to end up. What a challenge. <laughs> now it's in your hands. Thank you guys so much. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right. Exotic Liability, and no applause, just the clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.